Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's September the 14th, and it's time for my private audio call. Actually, we're a little late. We started talking about Robert Fox and his health, and then we were talking to Vince Edwards, and we were talking to Ranger Ron about his driving without a license, and so, finally, Jesse's here, and we started the call, so, hi, Jesse. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. Can you speak right into your mouthpiece, so we oh, can I'm hear you? Dri- I'm, driving, I'm driving in the car, so I should be home in three minutes, so I'll be able to speak a lot oh. closer, so I'll just talk okay. a little bit louder. Okay, so go ahead and tell us about yourself and what your experiences are. You you you've been, you've dealt with the foreclosure. You you did time in the slammer. So start wherever you think is the best place to start, and familiarize yourself with everybody so they know who you are. Okay, so my name is Jesse Rodriguez, and I've been dealing. Uh, I was dealing with the foreclosure mess since two thousand. I want to say 2008 is when I started studying about foreclosures and all that kind of stuff, you know, listening to the different videos that I got exposed to a lot of the information that a lot of us on here I'm sure know about. And it blew my mind and it angered me. And so, you know, I I did what most people on these calls do, which is I started fighting back. And, you know, I, I, I took so much advice from so many different people I've lost probably close to $50,000 in advice alone just to try to help me save my home, uh, whether it was through, you know, loan loan, loan forgiveness, uh, you know, the whole check issue. I forget the name of that couple that used to do the check thing where they'd teach you how to, you know, use those voided checks to, to cancel out money and all kinds of stuff. So we did that. I worked with Robert Schaefer for a long time on some stuff. I tried to use his documentation as well. Um, I worked Robert Fox is actually a good friend of mine. He helped me once I got involved in the criminal side and the government was coming after me, which I'll get into in a little bit. But I worked with Robert for a while using his documents as well. Uh, there were so many people that I worked with. And at the end of the day, it ended up landing me in prison, in federal prison, for a 13, 13-month sentence, which I ended up having to do about eight and a half months on. I just got out about four months ago. Four wait months a minute, in, wait a minute. Four months home. What put you in jail? I'm sorry. So what put me in jail was a uh, stated income loan, stated income loan. So I was a loan officer, oh. and I was doing stated income loans, and out of the several hundred that I did, there were three of them that were stated income where the incomes were inflated. So not inflated by me, but inflated. And so because I, my name is on it, it doesn't matter whether, I'm, you know, whether I put it there or not. I'm part of the, the conspiracy, so to speak. And they come after you. If they decide to come after you, then they come after you. And that's another thing, too. It's just it's really about selective prosecution because, you know, what I did as a loan officer or what I, what I allowed to happen through, my, through my, um, my company that I was working with on three separate loans 
was happening all over the country, and it was well-known, and it was what, you know, banks were actually wanting people to do. You know, they were like, they were, that's why they created the stated income loan. They didn't want you to have to prove your income, because if you did, you wouldn't qualify, and they couldn't keep, you know, you know when, uh, coming up. When I bought my yeah. home, they were called no-doc loans. Right, exactly. There's a so no-doc loan, because they wanted my, my, my tax return and everything, and I said, no, I don't have any, sorry. So they called it a no-doc right. loan, and that was in 93. That was way yeah, back so, then, but so, it so worked. Those the kind of loans. Right. When I was doing the loans in, from 2000 to 2007, I pretty much stopped. So in that era, that was when, you know, it was the big boom, and everybody was, was making a lot of money in the industry, and the rules were getting more less lax and less lax and less lax. So what ended up happening for me was they came after uh, somebody in my office, and then they came after the whole office, and then I just kind of got lumped in there. So when that happened, that was right around the time that the market had shifted in 2008, and that's when everybody's values were now either holding steady or they were dropping. They weren't increasing. And that was really what was happening in our industry was that people were buying a home. It was increasing in just a few months in value. They were refinancing the home and taking money out to do whatever they were going to do, whether it was fix up the house, buy another house, whatever the case was, they were able to take equity out of the home within just a few months. And so when I got into that in 2008, nobody was able to do that anymore because the values, they had stopped rising. And so what happened was I was looking for a way out. I had several hundred thousand dollars in the bank because I did really well in the industry over those years, and I ended up spending about $300,000 in one year paying for two separate homes that I invested in that I could no longer refinance. So as I finished getting rid of all that money, all of the savings, everything I had worked for, I had paid into these houses, I contacted the banks and asked them if there was a way they could help me renegotiate the notes because I wasn't going to be able to pay them in 30 days. And when I told them that, that's when they said no. And so I started looking for alternative ways to, to fight, to, to get help. And that's when I started to learn about how, how banks deal in money, fractional reserve lending, and all that stuff. I started to become aware of it. And then I started to really delve heavy into learning everything I could about it. And I spent every single day, all day long, on the Internet, finding people, attending seminars, trying to do the best I could. And that's when I stopped actually paying. When I had no more money, I stopped paying for my homes. And I had four at the time. <clears throat> and that's when my, my troubles kind of started because it wasn't – until 2011 that I was actually indicted. And I was indicted for a conspiracy to commit wire fraud, which is a, a fancy way of saying, you know, it was basically a stated income loan issue. But because my loan went from New York to San Diego, it ended up being, you know, wire fraud. So that's kind of what, what ended up getting me in trouble. But after I had gotten in trouble, what I was doing was I was trying to figure out exactly how to get out of it. And that's where, you know, I found all these different people that said they could help me, they could do this, they could do that. But everybody wanted a fee for what it was that, you know, they said they could help me with. So I ended up, you know, thinking that they were, they were right. I would study them, listen to what they had to say, and one person led me to another and then to another. Before I knew it, I was spending lots and lots of money. I was getting all this information, all this documentation. And then I was kind of, when I was kind of left on my own, actually go and do all this work. And most of it relies around filing documentation, 
uh, in the courtroom, in the county with records, doing all kinds of stuff that I'd never done before. Now I had to go learn how to do all this stuff. So I was really, I was just stuck in this endless, endless amount of work where I had to go and learn how to do new things. So I started taking classes on how to file documentation. Um, I started reaching out to these different people who had this knowledge and they were telling me what to read. So I started reading books, started becoming really, really educated in a lot of these things. And now I know way much more than I actually wanted to know because when I think back, I realized if I didn't, if I didn't know all the stuff that I know now, I'd be a much happier person because I, now that I understand how things work in the world and how unfair it is, it just upsets me. Ignorance is bliss, right? It, it truly is. It really, really is. And so what ended up happening was in August of 2011, I had, actually it was 2009, I had, a, I had a search warrant serviced on my home. They came in. They took all kinds of stuff. Oh, they weren't supposed to take. At that time, I was really? already studying, and I was I was studying with Jack and Margie. Um, I'm sure you know Jack and Margie. I was studying oh, yeah. with um, with them about constitutional law and write it. I mean, I actually went out and met with them. I believe they lived in I think it was New Mexico. I think it was in New Mexico. We yeah. went to visit them, and I, I think it was Hollywood, New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Paris, New Mexico, or something like that. Yeah. So we went out there. We spent a few days with them, and and um. And started to learn about it. You know, I still have their, their stuff uh, in my in my um, in my downstairs. I still have all their their discs that we studied. And I actually went out there and did a video recording. We did a whole interview series with them. And I was just in that mode of wanting to learn as much as I could. And it's funny because the day they came to the house <coughs> to serve to serve me um, the search warrant on the house, and they they you know busted in and did that. It wasn't they busted. They took me in actually. To, Grabbed me up at a gas station and and um, and brought me brought me home with my in front of my three children, small children at the time, canines and everything. They did that whole thing, and uh, once they did that, um, I, I I was kind of already in in the process of learning from Jack and Marty. So I knew I had rights. I knew exactly what they could and couldn't take. I studied, you know, what to do with the search warrant. So I, I demanded they show it to me. They produced it. I started to read it. I didn't know what it was for at the time. I had no idea what it was for because I didn't think I did anything wrong with the student with the, the loans that I had done. And so, and it was a concealed or as a sealed, it was a sealed uh, in, um, indictment thing. Like I didn't have a didn't have a, the documentation that was supposed to support it uh, because it said it was sealed. So you couldn't see anything about it. All I could see was what they were able to take and kind of what it was pertaining to, which in terms of had to do with mortgage documents. So I, I stood there with them the whole time they were there for six hours in my home. They combed through my entire house, took a ton of stuff that they weren't supposed to be taking, and they, including $30,000 that I had upstairs. And the reason why I had so much money in the house was because one, they had one of my bank accounts closed. So one day I went to go use the bank. Actually, it was a couple of days before that raid. I went to go use the, the bank card, and it, was, it didn't come up. And I knew I had a lot of money in there. So I called the bank, and they said, oh, your account's been frozen. Oh, no, actually, your account, your account's been closed. And I said, well, why is my account closed? They said, well, we, we have the right to close it on anybody for any reason, and we don't really have to let anybody know. I said, well, okay, if that's the case, then I need to get my money back. And they told me, well, you have to wait, you know, you have to wait a week, this and that. And I said, no, 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 you have, you closed my account, so I don't have access. You have no reason for it. So if you have no reason, you're going to give me my cash back, so I'm coming to get it. And I went down to the bank, and I picked up my cash. They gave me $30,000, $31,000 in cash. So I had that in my no upstairs drawer. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because 
they don't have the right to keep your money. Um, if they close it like that, if they close it on you, I mean, if they have some kind of, a, of an order from the court, that's different, but they don't have a right to just keep your money if you um, if they close it on you, or they have to leave, they have to make it accessible to you. So anyway, I had that money in the drawer. So when they came, they brought a, a dog sniffing a dog a sniffing dog in there, went through the whole thing, and they took all my a bunch of stuff, but they also took my money, which they weren't supposed to do. It wasn't on the warrant. So I was taking notes on the warrant. This is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're not allowed to do. Told the officer, hey, you're not allowed to take that money. I actually. I actually called the, the sheriff. He took my phone, wouldn't let me use my phone. Oh, they love um, that. They take your money so they because they think it's drug money, and that's what they accuse everybody of when you've got cash. And then they just steal it from you. They did that to, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, he was a pastor. His name? Um, um, oh, I forgot. Anyway, but they, they he had like 19 grand in his house, and they took it. And then they didn't return all of it to him. It was short, like $1,000 or something like that. I mean, they do that. That's what they do. They're thieves. Right. Yeah, it's true. And so what happened is they, they took the money. You know, they're pirates. What they are is pirates, really, because they're commissioned by the government to go steal your stuff. That's a pirate. Right. A private right, pirate, excuse me. They try, to, they try to legalize it through something they call the civil asset forfeiture. And that's when they make they basically make you prove that the money you have came from legal ways and not illegal ways. And so I had to end up figuring out how to do that, which I ended up doing and I filed in time and they had to actually give my money back. But they didn't. They didn't give it back to for three more years. And when they did give it back three years later, they then confiscated it for attorney's fees. So they just charge your like interest. A, well, that's what I try to do, but it it doesn't that's part of the reason why you know, being on a call like this and wanting to just share the story about what we went through and how, how it all went down is because at the end of the day, all the stuff that I learned, all the knowledge that I gained, uh, be it true or not, I mean, I still believe everything that I read and everything I learned is the truth. I believe all of it. But at the end of the day, the power lies in those that are running the courts, the, the judges, right. the attorneys, the prosecutors. It doesn't matter how much you think you know. It doesn't matter. I, I wasn't even allowed to file documentation. Robert Fox had some documents that I had were great documents, just, you know, and I still have all of my stuff, and I couldn't even get it in. I filed it and filed it and filed it. I spent two and a half years fighting them giving me just an attorney. Two and a half years I didn't have an attorney because I wouldn't speak to anybody, and, I, and I, they, wouldn't, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't allow me to file my own docs at all, two and a half years. So that's two and a half years of my life that I spent dealing with it. It took me six years or five years, five years from the time it happened, pretty much five years on the nose almost from the time it happened. August 11th, 2011 is when the, the thing started, the indictment started. August 8th, 2015 is when I reported up to a camp in, uh, in Bakersfield area, Taft. So, that's five years of my life lost. I'm 42 years old now. It's 37 when, when that started. But um, I look back, or 40, you're 36. But I look back, and I think to myself, I went through all of that information. I went through all of that stuff. I went through all of those filings. I stress, put the stress on my family. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars over, over those years um, in all kinds of other things. And I lost that time in my life that I can never get back. And over that time, like, what did I gain from it? What was gained? And no matter what happened, 
no matter how right I think I, I am, I still think I'm right, but it doesn't change the fact that they put me where they put me. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, they... Now you have my, to sue them, don't you? No, I, see, that's, 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 I mean, I could do that. I could take that route, but what's that going to cost me? It's going to cost me more money, more thousands of dollars, more hassle. I'm just going to piss them off even more, and then what's going to happen there? is I'm going to end up, most likely I'm going to end up losing unless they want me to win because it's not about what's right and what's wrong. It's about who decides what comes in and what goes out in terms of the courts. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, that's, you're right. You're dealing with California, which is like the worst. So Right. And, and I'm only speaking on my experience in my state. Like I, I'm not speaking for anybody else in different places. You know, I've seen hopefully people have luck in other places. And I hope and pray that they do. But in California, it doesn't work that way. Especially in you know the southern district, which is where I'm from, a very conservative area. Um, I was yeah, it's bad. It's really bad here. But at the end of the day, like I said, all those all that money, those thousands of dollars that I spent, and I worked with everybody. The last person that right before I was about to uh, to cop a deal, because I was looking at I was looking at thirty or thirty years of pop, three. I was looking at ninety five years. 95 years. Are you kidding? 95 years? For, for somebody putting uh, uh, some numbers on a thing that, that didn't really even, it didn't even end up being part, any loss. It was like, it wasn't even a huge loss. For 95 years of somebody's life, I mean, that right there is where they hold that time over your head, and that's the leverage that they have. You know, I'm a young man with four small children. I'm not trying to spend all that time in there. There's no way. Yeah. So, Your wife has yeah, so, to win nuts. Oh, yeah. Well, my wife would have went somewhere else is where she would have went if I had to spend that kind of time. And I wouldn't have blamed her. I actually would have told her to go. But that would have been because it was it would have been in my ignorance and my ego that kept me fighting when I realized I put up a fight, put up a fight for five years. When I walked in, the first thing they told me was there's no deal for you. They want it. They're coming after you. And the reason why was because when they came to my house for that search warrant, I gave it to them. And I, and I wrote letters to every single person all the way up the ladder, um, everybody they work for, all the way up to the director of Homeland Security. Um, I wrote letters to everybody. You, Jack and Margie helped me write all that stuff, and I documented it, and I sent everything out sealed. I mean, I went above and beyond. So when that indictment came down, there was 26 people on it. I was the only person that was actually arrested, physically arrested. And that was because I brought it on myself, right? I was fighting. Well, and I, I don't think myself. so, but... You know, I just don't think that California uh, police, anybody here, has a right to anything. They want to. They are the parents, and they think we're all children, and whatever they say goes. We can't think for ourselves, and that's the way they are in California. You know. Yeah, so, and unfortunately, I, mean, I had to go through that. In, in New Mexico, where Margie lived, and where Jack and Margie used to live, you know, she won her case there because they still believe people had rights there. I think, and and they followed the law the way she wrote it up. I mean, she's so good at it, you know, that they represented themselves or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I don't know. Here in California, though, it's like it's you can talk to your blue in the face. It goes in one ear and out the other. They don't give a damn one way or the other, and they slam the hammer down, and whatever they says is the way it is. Right, and, that, and that's unfortunately the way it is. And, I, and one thing that I got from a lot of the people that I learned from was how to behave there in the courtroom, how to talk, how to hold my own, how to question for question. I mean, I would be—I was the only the only defendant that ever spoke. 
Nobody else spoke. It was always their attorney. But because I didn't recognize mine, when the judge called my name, I stood up <coughs> and said I was there. And obviously, I, you know, I, I was going through at the time. I can't remember now because I just put it out of my mind in terms of how I stated who I was and what I was doing there. Because I did all that stuff, too. You know, I did, I did all that stuff. I remember reading stuff in that Robert gave me to read verbatim, and I memorized it. So I wanted to make a statement for the record, and he let me make it, and I made that statement verbatim that Robert taught me. I couldn't remember now. It's just been too long, and I'm not really interested in that anymore. But I, like you said, I did all that stuff, and at the end of the day, the judge was just waiting for me, waiting for me, waiting for me. And I think because I took so long, and they said from the beginning, there's no deal for you whatsoever. But because I, I pushed them so long, they looked like I wasn't going to quit, and I wasn't, that they they came to me at, uh, like four, three and a half years after with a deal and wanted to do something. And at first I was like, screw you. I didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't do this. You guys did this wrong. You did that wrong. I was still in fight mode. But as I started, you know, looking at what they had, and at the time, mind you, not only did they indict me, but because one of the loans that I did was my own loan, they indicted my wife because her name was on it. Oh. So now it's like, okay, so now I got to worry about not just myself, but I got to worry about my wife because if they throw the if they come after both of us, then what's going to happen to my children? You know, so we're dealing with that. So there's, there's all these different things that are happening. So when they finally decided to come to me, I just, what I did was I made the best possible deal that I could make. It was what, it was the best interest. I was looking at 95 years. I ended up getting one, you know, and I did nine, I did eight and a half months or so. Um, and, you know, I figured out how to deal with that, uh, which is pretty simple dealing with at the task. And I actually, I, before I went in, I actually hired a consultant to help me learn how to, how to deal with it. Somebody who had been there, and I paid him a bunch, another, you know, another several thousand dollars out the window for that, for somebody to teach me about that. And I learned how to get through that. And, you know, I went in there. I did my time. I walked out of there. I actually walked out of there with three screenplay outlines and a nutrition book that I wrote, and I read 50 different books. I mean, I, I made the most out of the time while I was there. But at the same time, that was, you know, eight and a half months away from my kids, with my wife, uh-huh. and I'm not able to make money, uh, and just away from society in general. So the biggest thing for me was just wanting to, <laughs> excuse me, wanting to come on and just share the experience of what happened. And that way if people are like, hey, you know, I'm in California. This is kind of what's going on. I have a case. This is what it looks like. I can tell you the experience that I had because it was a pretty in-depth experience for, for five years of in and out of, case, of courts and in and out of hearings and in and out of motions and all kinds of stuff. I can tell you how it went down going in, the, the negotiating techniques, whatever it is people want. I just figured it would be a good idea to share my story. And if anybody had questions that might be able to get some kind of help from what it is I had to go through, that it would be worth it just to go and talk about it. Because I've been on your call for several, for, for a couple of years, listening to tons yeah. of different people. Oh, what I, what I, I, look back that, you, I have emails from you since 2012. Right. It's, it's been a long time, ever since I got... Ever since I got involved with that stuff, I found your call, and I used to listen religiously to all the different people. The last person I was actually going to say I guess that it I was, started I, happening to you in May of 2012, right? Didn't, no, no, didn't it was actually August, happening. Of, August of 2011. I probably found you in May of 2012. The first person that I found was Robert Fox. What about Carl Miller? Um, I talked to you. Carl. You were writing me about Carl Miller here in 2005, May 28, right, 2012. I'm sorry. 
I saw stuff or online, ask- and that's why, uh, that's why I was asking you that I got all that information was on your site. You had some, tons of people, so that's why I reached out to you. And I ended up talking to Carl through Rob Schaefer um, uh, way after the fact. But I found Robert. I forget how I found him, but I found Robert right before this whole attorney thing that I was dealing with. And I found Robert, and I actually, it was right before they, they tried to restrict my travel and everything, and I went to go see his seminar he had in Arizona. And it was, it was, uh, it was well before he got, he did his, his, I think he did over a year somewhere because we were in communication on a regular and I was, uh, I was, I was working with Rob. He's a really such a sweet man. We had, we had such a great, great conversation over and above what he was helping me with. Uh, I really loved Robert. None of the stuff he gave me, I could get to work personally, but um, he was such a gracious man with his time and just a great guy to talk to. So we talked a lot. And, uh, and we created a friendship. I was actually trying to get back in touch with him just to see how his health was doing and how he was doing, because I haven't talked to him in a very long time. But we used to talk a lot. But he was the first guy that I found. And then, yeah, then I found Carl Miller's stuff, and his stuff was attached, I think, to your site. And that's why I contacted you, and I started doing that. So, yeah, I've been, I've been doing this stuff for five, God, well, I was before I went in for about five years, five years or so of learning. And studying, you know, I got, I picked up the jurisdictionary, which if anybody wants to have any idea of how to deal in a courtroom, jurisdictionary has won me several credit card things because some of the credit card people you had on, I won some stuff on. So it's not that I don't believe that these things can work. It's just that from my Depends experience. Depends on what California, you're using it for. Yeah. Right. And, and also, you really got to just look at, you have to look at the cost of it. Like not, and I'm not just talking the monetary cost. I'm talking about the cost of your time and your energy is it something you really want to go down? Some people don't, they don't understand the road they're going down. And so I think that by talking to somebody who's gone down that road, you can at least say, you know what, I believe that, this is a, that these people are crooks and they're thieves and they're this and they're that. But you know what, in my life right now, I'm not willing to sacrifice five to ten years. Or you might say, you know what, I am. I'm willing to go as far as I need to go. And maybe some people need to do that. That's where I was when I started. I was bullheaded and I was just working hard and I was studying and I was getting as smart as I could and, and I was uh, educating myself and I was winning certain things. But the things that actually ended up mattering in the end, I, could, I was liter- literally seeing that there was no way I was going to be able to win those things because they wouldn't allow me to get any paperwork in. I couldn't, I couldn't play. They wouldn't let me play pretty much. You know, they, they, they held, the, they held the, the keys to the door of the game and I wasn't allowed in. And so I figured, you know, I might as well come on and share this. But before I forget, the last person that I had tried was um, Carl. Carl, what's his name? Miller. Or is it Carl, Carl Miller, Miller or, or Carl Lentz? Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz. So I found, I found him, I think I found him on one of, I, thought, I found him on talk show. I don't know if it was on your call or not. But I, you've had him on your call, have you not? Oh, yeah, many, many times. Right. So I had Carl. I found Carl. I listened to some of his stuff, and I was intrigued. And I ended up – no, no, actually, it wasn't through you. It was through somebody else that I actually met at Robert Fox's seminar the very first time I went out several years ago. He introduced me to him, and I, and this was the last big chunk of money I paid somebody. I literally flew him out to my home. I paid $1,000 for a first-class flight. Wait a minute. Said, Who did you fly out to your home? Carl, Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz? Carl Lentz. I flew oh, him out okay. to my home, and I paid him, I want to, I want to say it was either four or $5,000 in cash to help me write this. How much? How much? 
four to five thousand dollars. So this is this is how much I was, we were paying people, and this was the last straw. And I was going to fight it and go all the way. And he that helped night, you? No, well, let me. I'll tell you what happened. That night, after I sat down with him and talked to him, that what he was telling me and how he was doing, it all revolved around me ha- getting my paperwork in. So everything he was telling me, I knew wasn't going to work because I couldn't. They wouldn't accept anything, nothing. They would accept it as, what did they say? It's received, but it's not recorded. It's not like, uh, I don't know if that's the right terminology. But they would take it in, stamp it as received. Like, we, not received, but it was accepted or something. Like, they got it. They're just saying, we, we got it, but we have to have it looked they at would before stamp, Did they stamp it. it as filed? No, they wouldn't stamp it as filed. Even though I asked them to file, I put file on demand, it didn't matter. They wouldn't file it. So when I was having this conversation with him, and I spent the whole day with him, having this conversation, telling him what I went through, going through every single thing. I had everything laid out, all of the evidence. Everything was laid out for him. Because I told my guy, I said, if I'm bringing him here, I'm serious that, you know, I want to use him. So I flew him out, picked him up, brought him home, went through all that stuff for the whole day, and I paid him. And the next morning, I t- uh, the next morning, the uh, next morning, he had a friend come pick him up. <clears throat> so a friend came to the house and picked him up, and he left. When he left, I just had this feeling like, God, I just wasted so much money. That there's, no- there's nothing he's going to put together that's going to work. Because he- what he was telling me the strategy was, I had already tried a lot of it with Robert Fox, and I tried a lot of it, and I couldn't get the paperwork. I just thought, you know what, that was just a waste. I'm going to call. I'm going to hit him up and see if he'll give me a refund and just take thousand bucks for his time and just send me the rest back because I need the money. And I asked for it, and he said, and he never, uh, he never responded, never gave it back, never, you know, never even responded to it. Uh, and I was, you know, I never did any paperwork, never did a piece of paperwork uh-huh. for me. And that was just the last. I mean, I wasn't going to use his paperwork anyway. I'm, I'm not saying it to say that he did, he wasn't going to hold up his end of the bargain. That's a lot of money, but, though, to pay somebody to do something, and then when they don't do it, right? He should have gave you back but, most of it. But, but that well, that's what I figured. That's that's what I thought was fair. And so I wrote him several emails asking for that, but I never it never got to anywhere. But the biggest thing for me was I wish you would have told me at the time. I would, at that time though. I, I was I was on my way inside. You know, that's what was happening. It was just a matter of how much I was going to do. So that was the last thing on my mind at the time to really go fight another fight with somebody else. So I say that to say that was the last large investment in a slew of years of investments that I made on stuff that I'd say 99% of the time didn't work at all for me. And I'll tell you, the people that I worked with, they, they'll tell you, I know how to handle myself in court. I know how to talk in court. I know, how to, I know how to listen. I know what to listen for. I know how to use all the phrases that I'm taught. It didn't matter. It, it, it made for interesting court because whenever I came in, the people in there were, like the people that worked there, they, they were all ready. You could see they were excited to see what's this guy going to say today? What's he going to say today? Because I, to, I used to be the only one talking when I was in the courtroom, uh, and it would be for a long period of time. So I just wanted to come on kind of tell people the story of, you know, what happened that and how I've worked with all those different people and how it worked for me or didn't work for me here in California. In the event that somebody's right now dealing with something in California, they have a case they're working with, they've already been sentenced, they're going somewhere. Like if there's some question that I can answer to help somebody with maybe what they're dealing with or give them a different perspective than somebody who's, you know, cheering them on to, to go, 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 when at the end of the day, all those cheers are great, but 
you know, they don't have to do the time for you. You do. Yeah. That, that's really I, what I wanted to share with you, Angela. And, and if anybody poor has guy, I feel so it. bad for you. You know, it sounds like you've oh, been through the ringer. I, I do feel though. I, I feel terrible. We're, you know what? The way I what I figured out for the time that I was in is, first of all, I made the most of the time. I got a ton of information. I met some of the most amazing people with stories that would blow your mind in terms of how <laughs> raw a deal that they got. So I walked out of there blessed and grateful, grateful that I was only there for eight months, you know. Yeah, really. That I wasn't in there. I, I met a doctor. I met a doctor, a really nice man, an Egyptian doctor, and he was in some, there was some malpracticing they, they accused him of, and he was so prideful. And he said, no, I'm not going to take a year-and-a-half plea, which is what they were offering at the time. So he went to court. He lost, of course, and he got 12 years. Ah, and he just, oh, my God. And he just, walked, he, just walked, he just walked out, I think. Well, actually, he's going to walk out by the end of this year. 12 years. And this was a, you, you you know, a brilliant, brilliant man. A shame. They don't give a shit about the people. They care about the money they're going to generate from having each one of you guys in that warehouse. You know, oh, yeah. it's like they get a rent. It's like we're they get a rental fee from the government. We're worth huh? sixty-seven dollars. Sixty-seven dollars a day is what I'm worth in there. That's what it, they charge. No, actually, well, maybe a Taft, but in a private, some of these private institutions, well, it, it's like thirty-seven, forty thousand a year per head yeah. from the government. Yeah, well, if you do the math, if you do the math on three hundred, three hundred at sixty dollars, that's what eighteen thousand, eighteen thousand dollars, something like that is what it is. But they, don't get me wrong; they still make you work, they still make you do other stuff, they pay you pennies. There's all kinds of stuff. The experience is the experience. Yeah, pretty much, unless you learn how to use the system and how to work within the system as well. It's 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 like it is outside, you know. There's a hustle everywhere. There's stuff going on all the time. You can decide to be a part of it or not. Um, but you know, that, that time I wasn't, I, I mean, I was just mad that I didn't get to spend that time with my, my wife and kids. Other than that, sure. it was, it you'll was never get that time back. Yeah. No, I would won't. sue them for the time you lost, but that's me. And I would do it, uh, only if I knew I could win it, but that's you know, exactly what I would do. That's if I knew I could win it, I would be right there with you. But since I don't you know, know you know, it'd be just a waste five of time people, and money. There's there's five people in line with their hand up, so do you want to take some questions? Sure. I'd love Probably to. advice more than questions. <laughs> right, exactly. But we'll find out. Jerry71, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Jerry71. Hi, Angela. Hi, how are Hi, you? Hi, uh, Pretty good, thank you. Uh, I was going to just say that, uh, it, just a short statement. Uh, they always, when you go into court, they want to know if, how you plead guilty or not guilty. And I forget where I heard it, but uh, they, whoever I was listening to said, you know, you've got the third choice. You can always plead innocent. So yeah, I did that. That's what I was. You did that? Yep, I did that. Robert Fox taught me that. I did that. I said I pleaded. Oh, you that's who I heard I wish, I, had, I wish I had some of the transcript. You guys would What happened when you said that? Oh, they, they they don't they don't the thing is is they How hear they what they want to hear. They don't. Okay. They don't respond. What they do is they ask you another question. So they never respond. 
So when I would ask questions, because every time he'd ask a question, I would ask a question. So I had this long debate, like I said, for almost two and a half years about the word represent. I said, I don't want anybody to represent me. I said, nobody can represent me. I am me. I'm here right now, flesh and blood. Nobody can represent me to the, to the court. Represent me as what? Represent means to present me again. As what? Why would you need to present me again? I'm here now. There's no need for right. somebody to represent If you're not there, me. then... then... Right, right. If you're exactly. Not there, so I, had, I had that entire conversation, and I had the judge back and forth, back and forth for probably like 10 minutes, which in a courtroom is a long time. 10 minutes in the courtroom going back and forth with just you and the judge is a long time. And they don't, they don't answer your questions. They just sit back and they ponder, and then they ask you another question. And so I see what he's trying to do, and then I ask him a question. And then we ask a question. Oh, maybe you we ask a question. It's just, it's just back and forth. But it's just back and forth. So when you ask, what do they say? They don't. They don't answer. Well, mine didn't answer anyway. And I actually had one of the more lenient judges. But they don't answer. They don't answer back. But I did try that, um, sir. I did try that because Robert Fox taught me that. Could I ask, could I ask you one other question? Sure. Uh, what court were you in? What, what was the title of the court? Uh, the United States Southern District of California. Yeah, I'm and sorry. I think what about the 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 United States Southern District of California. So it was a, a district court of some kind. The reason I ask is yeah. because Ralph Winterode lately has said that uh, the tax courts aren't even courts. Uh, he said that in the last probably last month. But anyway, that's all I had, Angela. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, tax court's not a court. Fake. Everything they do is fake. You know what I? You know anyway. I, you know, here's, this is this is how much I I really piss those people off, Angela. I wrote the FOIA request for every single judge and every single attorney involved, all the way to Washington. I have a booklet full of all their documents because in order for them to be a judge, they have to have three start three certain documents, right? They have to have a, um, the Senate, the Senate approval. They oh. have to have the presidential nomination. They have to have their oath signed. They have to have all right. those things. Otherwise, nothing they do. Every single one that came back, not a single judge had all three. Yeah. So I wanted, so I wanted to file paperwork on that. But guess what? They don't let you file anything. So it's like I went through everything that you could do. You talk to I Paul Andrew Mitchell thing. about that. That's Paul who Andrew I got Mitchell, the information yeah. from. Yeah. That's who I got the yeah, info from. So them. Andrew. They Andrew don't answer him back either. Nope. <laughs> so. That's what I'm saying. I went through everybody, everybody that I could find their technique. I tried it. You know, Robert, uh, what, um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Schultz, Bob Schultz from Give Me Liberty, We the People, you know, Bob Schultz. He, uh-huh. he took, uh, he went to court because he wanted to, he had a, a uh, it was a redress of grievances. I think that's what it's called. And he went to court with that, expecting to get a response from the government. Because it says in the Constitution that you have a right to redress of grievances. See what the judge told him? Well, yeah, you have the right, but that doesn't mean anybody has to respond. Right. Where in there does it say you you definitely get a response? And he was dumbfounded. You know, mm-hmm. you have a right to redress a grievance? Okay. But to what? 
do you have a right? To who, to who do you get to address the grievances to? If, you, if, if, if nothing is holding them to the fire to make them respond to you or anything like that. I mean, what, what, what good is it? It's like a wasted piece of paper. It's, it, it means a lot to us because we grew up learning that, you know, this country is based on the Constitution, all the laws the land, it's the laws of land, and blah, 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 you know, but, uh, yeah, okay, well, it may used to have been, but today, they don't give a damn. They no, you're care. exactly right. You're exactly so, right. So, let's see, okay, next up is Delaware, Dave, go ahead, Dave. You've been yeah, unmuted. This is the no tax man zero zero at gmail dot com, and I wanted to ask if you were familiar with the Uniform Commercial Code section three dash six zero three at Sequay. And what that says is tender offered, tender refused, debt is discharged. Yeah, I actually um, I did study the UCC codes. We did that stuff as well. I don't remember exactly how we did it, but I did try some of that. Maybe not in the court case, but we tried that with the with the banks that we were fighting and some other stuff. Again, everything that we had tried. I mean, I still have documentation that we did. Uh, you know, the the uh, what are they? The UCC filings. You know, you file. I, I forget the 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 actual form, um, but they you, know, you file a UCC form at recorded at the county recorder's office. And there was a whole process of doing certain things that I was taught, and we did. I still have stuff in there to this date. And we would mail like tons of different things back and forth to the banks and the different people, and they wouldn't respond. And then so we would take it as a default, and we'd file that in the court, in the uh, county records, and use it as evidence. Like we did all of that stuff. And like I said, I I read that stuff that you're talking about. It's not on the top of my head because it's really not. I'm not interested in it anymore. But I believe all of that stuff to be true. Like well, I point, honestly do. The, the but it is, none of this for me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The point is, once you've served the tender offer certified mail to prove they have to either accept it or refuse it. You don't really care as long as you've got proof that you've served them with the tender offer. If they charge, accept it and charge off the amount and neutralize the claim and the account is zeroed out, then it's zeroed out. If they refuse it, the debt is discharged by their own code. So what you do is, instead of quibbling and going to court and wasting money and time, like you're saying, instead of doing that, Send them a thank you letter for refusing your tender offer, which was served to them on such and such a date, certified mail number, such and such. And you thank them for that your anticipated presumption that they're going to comply with the Uniform Commercial Code section or State Commercial Code section 3-603 at Sequay, which says tender offered, tender refused. Thank you very much. Okay, so quick question. I got a question for you. If let's just say that happened on a mortgage, because you can do that to a mortgage, right? Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's say you did that to a mortgage. Now you have your house and it's paid for because you you tendered the payment, they didn't accept it, so it's been taken care of and paid for. When the bank doesn't stop and they keep coming and they foreclose on your home and they bring and they try to come take the home, what are they going to do? They're gonna take you where? Well, I paid all my uh, hospital bills when I had a massive stroke 10 or 12 years ago, uh, all kinds of hospital bills and ambulance bills and therapy bills and doctor bills and medical bills. Every one of them got discharged with a tender offer 
called an assignment of interest created by the Howard Griswold Research Group. And I actually uh, have, when they have when, all of them when, when they refused well. when they refused the tender offer, the assignment of partial interest, which was served certified mail, the hospital claimed I still owed them. So I didn't pay them, and I sent them a thank you letter for refusing the tender offer. And sometime later, I got a threatening uh, invitation to quibble from some Delaware, which is where my state I re- uh, live at or uh, above the actual land, not in their fiction. Anyway, the collection agency claimed I still owe this money, so I just sent them a copy of the certified mail stub and the offer letter that I had sent to the hospital that since they refused the tender offer, they could either return the assignment or mark the account satisfied. And if they continue to refuse, under their own code, Section 3-603, because they've refused it, and I had it in writing, not only that I'd served them the tender offer, but that they had refused to accept it. Thank so them that, very much for for complying with the Delaware Code, Section 3-603 and, at Sequay. And I never heard another word from them. And then some about six months later, I got a bunch of uh, threatening letters from a New Jersey collection agency across the river from Delaware. And they made the same claim a third time. The hospital wasn't satisfied being paid once. They wanted to be paid three times. Anyway, I just sent the New Jersey collection agency all of the duplicate paperwork that had been sent to the Delaware collection agency. And I never heard another word from either one of them or anybody else. I think that, first of all, the fact that that happened to you is great, that you got away with not having to pay with all things. That's awesome. But the way I look at it is, you're talking about collection agencies, which you can just ignore collection agencies. The only time these things became an issue for me was when it got to the court. So the collection agency, I can just leave them alone all day long. But if they go to court, that's when you're going to get your paperwork tested because now you have to bring in your theory and you have to take it to court, and then the court has to decide whoever's, whoever's right, right? So I was very pleased that I was able to make them, I was able to force them to comply with their own law, Section 3-603 at Sequay, and I forced them to discharge their claim because they couldn't go to court because they had nothing to quibble about under their own court, under their own rules. Thank you. Right. Thanks, bud. Like I was saying, um, I'm glad that that happened for you, but I think it's kind of apples and oranges when you're dealing with either A, a government entity, or B, a bank, than than if you're dealing with a collection agency who bought your debt, you know, for a few cents on the dollar, and they're trying to collect on it. And, you know, whether they collect anything or not, it's not going to be a big deal for them because they didn't pay hardly anything for it. But it's great that that happened for you. But like I said, that paperwork, I I don't say that paperwork doesn't work. I'm just telling people what didn't work for me. But just based on your conversation. And he was persistent. And he was persistent. I've I've won credit card cases on my own as well. And I've beat people. I've actually went to court and beat credit card companies on procedure through the jurisdictionary. That's why I say if you learn jurisdictionary, you – you couldn't imagine how dumbfounded these attorneys were when I got the cases dismissed, you know, um, and not able to come back in because they screwed up the procedure. And the, the, oh, yeah. the judge is, is telling them in court, because I'm telling him, judge, this is, this is basic procedure. They should know this. And this guy's coming in with his excuse about his, you know, my, my daughter did this or I couldn't get here. Whatever. 
He's like, look, I don't want to hear it. This guy is not an attorney, and he followed procedure, and you couldn't. So, you know, I've won a lot of things doing things like that, credit cards and things like that, things of that nature. Uh, even in federal court, we want a credit card case. But I'm just saying when it comes to the paperwork that I'm talking about, which is the stuff that's dealing with, you know, court cases that are more criminal on the criminal side, that, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to get in front of a judge. And the judge is going to decide whether he's going to accept your paperwork or whether he's going to let you put your paperwork in or whether he's even going to rule on your paperwork. It's up to him at the end of the day. That's just the way it works, regardless of whatever whatever somebody talks about. That's the way it works. The, the judge is going to decide. Okay, next up is um, Garden of Eden. You've been unmuted. It's Vince Edwards. Vince Edwards. Go ahead. Oh, well, I see Garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, you know, I don't remember. Garden of Eden. So. Okay, so <clears throat> I, I've got five direct, like, yes or no questions and, like, a few comments after that based on the questions. So, like, uh, first of all, Jesse, I just want to say, hey, thanks for standing up, man, because there's so few of us out there, and we need to – recruit people that are ready to stand on the line, you know, where our rights are. And, and so I just want to say thanks for that without going into it too much. I could say a lot more about it. Um, okay. So the first question is, is do you, did you question any of the witnesses against you? No, I wasn't. I never got that far. Okay. All right. The yeah, second no. one is, did, did the warrant have the, uh, a court seal? and a judge's signature. Which warrant? Whatever warrant they showed you when they, when they came to put their paws on you. So check this out. They didn't even have one. You know what okay. they had? A 9 millimeter with a red dot pointed at me when I came out of my garage. And I actually told them, I said, you can't take me. You don't even have a warrant. You, okay. have, you have to have proof. So no, the answer is no. I didn't All have right. anything. So now, e even if you demanded a warrant, what they probably were just going to show you is just a computer printout, no signature on it. It's not that's not a warrant. I just want to let everybody know that. All right. And then number three is is did you repeatedly state you were in court against your will? Um, I don't know if I said that to be honest. I can't recall. It was such a okay. long time ago. I might right. have, I might have said it once, but it wouldn't have been I it wouldn't have been repeatedly. Okay. All right, because it's like it's like you're they're, they're, we're just doing business, right? Because it's just a business. Everybody got to remind everybody that the court is just a business. Okay, so it's like a salesman. It's like one of them Kirby salesmen at your door, and then they come in and they spend four hours, and you say no, 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 and then finally you buy the thing. You know what I'm saying? That's what court is. They're almost exactly like that. So, you know, everything. So, so basically, nothing that you so said surprised me. So what you're saying is, it's there to basically wear you down. Exactly, exactly. So, so now, now, as Carl, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, say something from Carl Miller, and that is like, you, you got to be that one hard nut that just won't quit. And then also, I want to mention that, and this, this, I got, I got this from all kinds of different people. You know what I'm saying? The best, the best nuggets. Uh, you know, for me anyway, and that is um, basically uh, you, you you can't you, you can't win in the county 
or the you know that the, the first round. You know what I'm saying? And they know these courts know that nobody, almost nobody, will go a second round. You know what I'm saying? They're they're worn out by the end of the first round. Almost everybody. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, you need the only reason you're there when they arrest you and you go through all this BS is, is to make your your case for appeal. You're, you're just creating a record of, of 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 everything that they do. So basically, you do something and they do something bad. It's like score one. You know what I'm saying? That's another point for me because we're going to appeal and then they decide whether or not the judge did whether the procedure was followed. Because they blow they destroy procedure in the county courts in the district courts, and then you get up to you know you you get you get up uh, to the to the appeals process. That's that's a whole different ball game. No more facts are entered or anything like that. People need to okay. So all right, moving on. Um, all right, so yeah, nothing you said surprised me. And uh, did you attempt, like, regular motions? They're, like, just put it in their format, get the stuff out of their books, you know what I'm saying, and then file it, and yep. then... Yep, I did it. Okay. I did all that. Tons of all them. right. Now, I had problems with that, and what I did is I did... Uh, I set... I got a page of notes here. Set your motion for a hearing. You got to call... I know that's crazy. It sounds nuts. You got to call the clerk up and say, uh, I put in a motion, and now I need to set my motion for a hearing. I need a mo- I need a hearing to set my motion for a hearing. Right. And when I did okay. that, they told me they don't, they, don't, they don't recognize the hearing that I have because it's not considered filed. All right. Well, I mean, I had all of my motions heard except for my notice of fraud because I basically listed eight of the CRS codes that the judge and the clerk violated. And I said, you're, you're, you've committed crimes. Here's the evidence. And now you have you're, you're, you have an interest in the case. So now the judge has an interest in the case. I mean, I'm tying them up six ways from Sunday. So you know, I mean, the the courts look. I look. The fact of the matter is, is that courts are are very confusing. Even if you do know the, the rules that are supposed to be the rules, it's still confusing. And then there's you know hidden uh, just all kinds of stuff. So it, it's just there's a lot to learn and and. We need to persevere, and I want to thank you for your perseverance and standing up as long as you did, man. Um, you know, and, and as hard as it is, yeah, they threaten you with this. You know, I'm, I'm facing 24 years, man. You know what I'm saying? So right. they, they threaten you with 24 years because they know you'll take a year. They know you'll take two years. I mean, this is, you know, good cop, bad cop, it's, you know what I'm saying? That they good cop, bad cop you. You know whether it's you know your attorney or you're doing it yourself, or you know they're saying they're offering this and then here's a plea. You know this is what you're facing and then here's a plea. Or or you could be innocent. You know. Right. So anyway, you know, I don't want to take up I don't want to take up too much more time. But but let, let's try to keep a positive spin for people out there that are fighting because. You know, there's some people, a lot of people that are fighting, and then there's a lot. Some of them are on the fence. Going, hmm, I don't know, man. Should I, should I, should I just pay this fine, you know, and, or should I? Yeah, I'm innocent, you know what I'm saying. So let's keep it. Try to keep it on the positive spin. You know, you got in there and fought. You know what I'm saying. Don't talk other people out of getting in the ring. You know what I'm saying. No, I hear you, and it's really not about talking anybody into or out of anything. 
it's really just saying this is what I went through. This is the reality of how it went down as opposed to mm-hmm. you might in theory you might be hearing from all these different people that maybe have never gone through it. Now, obviously, you've been through it, so you know exactly what it's like in there. And you, it sounds like you did your you did nine already, nine months already, sitting on oh, top yeah, of whatever it is. I don't and that's not, I haven't been convicted of a thing. I have, they haven't even made an accusation. Oh, yeah, that's the other, I got another note on that. Did, did, you, did you look at, when you, when you saw the charge, did they actually make an accusation, or did they just charge you with something? No, there was an indictment. There was an, a 13-page indictment accusing me of all kinds of stuff. Accusing you. Okay, but see, like, in my, in my thing, right, what they do is you've got, one, well, you you got the charge. It said, Vince Ed, Vincent Edwards unlawfully and feloniously, blah, 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 the CRS code. Exactly word for word, okay? That's not an accusation. That's, that's BS is what that is because they, 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 not, they still, to this point, I brought this up uh, on team times. Hey, what did I do to get charged with this? And they will not present any fact uh, over and over. So... <laughs> it's ridiculous, but this is all setting out my case for appeal, and, and I swear up and down like we're going all the way to the Supreme Court every time I go in there. So that's even if you're not gonna, even if you're not bluff them, you know what I'm saying? We're going all the way to the Supreme Court. That's what that's what Colin Miller says, man. We got to at least bluff, you know. But I, I will. I'm going all the way, you know, to appeals. But I don't think it'll go that far. You know what I'm saying? These these people are going to get killed on appeal. So some, just some, some comments on that. I, I mean, I believe every man and woman needs to do whatever is best for them and needs to stand up or not if it's, if it's, if it's in them to do that. But some people may want to do it, but they, they, they don't have the ability to do it, to be honest. They don't have the ability to get in front of a court, to talk, to stand the ground, to be educated, to continue on and on and on. People just don't have that. So my biggest thing was to just say, hey, and, and you know, I was going to that go takes like, a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. I had 10 oh. years, brother, 10 years of that's education before I even got in the ring. But that's what I'm saying is that that's what people need to understand is that when you decide to take something like this on, it's, it's going to, it's not a short thing. It is no. not a, it's not a non-stressful environment. It's a yeah. stressful environment. It takes a lot of time, a lot of education, whatever else you have going on in your life is going to take a backseat to this, everything. Yeah. So yeah. when people are deciding whether they want to, to fight that good fight, they have to know all of the facts and all of the issues. Yep. Otherwise, they're making yep. an uneducated decision. So my thing is just to yeah. say, look, this is what happened. This is how it went down. And you should look at that and take that into consideration for whatever else it is you're dealing with. And, you know, use it or not, whatever. Throw it away if you want to. But at least I was able to use my experience to say, hey, hopefully I was hoping maybe this helps somebody think about what they're getting themselves into and if they're ready for that fight. And if you are, God bless, Godspeed, you know. But if you're not, at least now you know. It's not just all, you know, uh, great stories about these different things because at the end of the day, you know, you know the bullies that these, these courtrooms are. They're just bullies. And they hold all the keys. They hold all the guns. They hold all the money. They can outspend you. They can do all that kind of There's so many different tactics. And by the way, there wasn't a single person that I met inside that went to court that got a better deal than playing out. And that's not to say that you should plea. But what I'm saying is every single person I talked to that was offered a plea, because obviously they want to get you because they're like, just like you said, they're going to threaten you with X amount 
so they know you'll take this amount because they just want to get a win. They want to get you in the system, and the system, once they got you in the system, they're making money on you. They're still making money on me, and I'm home. So the whole point is, is that to look at that and say, you know what, every person I talk to got a substantial amount more of time because they went to court and fought than they got than, than the people that were in the same people that were actually in the same case that were at the camp with them in the same exact case. One guy got six months, another guy got two years. The one the guy the guy that's got six months caught the deal. The other guy didn't, went to court and got two years. And he was a smaller part of it. And he got fined, a bigger fine, like a hundred thousand dollar fine on top of it. So my biggest thing is just educating people of all the different scenarios and allowing them to make, you know, an educated decision on what they want to do. Because as much as you and I would like to sit up and have everybody fight, it's not in everybody to do that. Everybody doesn't have the, the gumption to do that. And first and foremost, everyone should try to avoid court, if at all possible. Like oh, yeah. Take. Exactly. Avoid court, but, but stand up to them when you, when you got to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but anyway... Yeah, I, I, okay, in closing, I just want to say, um, if it doesn't make any sense to you, don't do it. That's a good rule of thumb, in my opinion. I agree. Hey, thanks for the, thanks for the info, for though. God bless, man. Good luck to you, bro. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right, next up is um, Always Learning 7. You've been unmuted. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Angie. Hi. Hi. Hi, my name is Angie also. Hi, <laughs> um, Angie. Well, a lot was pretty much discussed there. I just, um, one of the first things that uh, stood out to me with what you were first saying was, is uh, I actually do, you you did the start of loan, loans given. Uh, I do the end documentation of loans given. and um, You guys should get together. <laughs> that's that? Yeah. Guys, get together. Yeah, the um, it, it's amazing that I, but I, the I've been doing the end documentation with people for 20 years, and I, I know exactly the period that of course that Jesse's talking about, um, which was kind of amazing. But honestly, uh, my belief is that um, they set that up to do that so that certain things would. Uh, basically backfire, you know, within, you know, if you want to say the, the banking system, um, you know, because they, they tend to blame a lot of what happened with the economy on these supposed frivolous loans um, and, uh, you know, to kind of redirect people's thoughts uh, and, and to get this tightening down within the, the loan industry, if you want to say. Um, where it, it's some things are a bit crazy even now, you know, that I hear with them when I'm out with people, you know, the, the hassle and the baloney that they've gone through to just get a refinance loan. Um, but uh, in, that, in, in, in that whole scope of it, I mean, your office that you were in was just one of the many across the country that were doing the exact same thing, you know, I guess my kind of question is, is why was our office picked? I mean, this is happening full scope across the whole U.S. Uh, you want to know part- You want to know how random it was? This is okay. how random it was. First of all, a great 
insight in terms of you know thinking that this was all a setup because nine times out of ten when, it, when you think it's a setup it usually is there's a really mm-hmm. great book that i read called the big short which they made a movie out of oh man you gotta you gotta read the book more so than the movie it really really breaks down that whole debacle and you can tell that that why things were done the way they were done and it was yeah it was it was for a lot of different reasons but it's basically just to cover the bank's butt put it on the people and then they had to go after somebody so they went after the low-hanging fruit which are people like me right and so the way that my thing started was one of the loans <coughs> that we did for somebody was for a federal agent. So one loan was for a federal agent. The other loan was for a city detective. So a federal agent and a city detective were both involved in my case in the loan. Each of them were not charged. They were both given uh, – actually, one of them was charged on an information. In other words, he wasn't in the indictment, but he was on an information, and he just walked because of it. But the reason why it happened was because when one guy lost his home, the guy overextended himself, he lost his home. He's a federal agent, so they have to go through screenings for their, for their clearance, and they look at everything, and they scrutinize it. So what happened was when they saw the foreclosure, they're like, well, what is this? Why, why did you have a foreclosure? Because they want to make sure if this guy has debts and he's looking to make money because he owes money – can he be bought out to give up any secrets he may have? So is he, sure. is he worthy of having a clearance or not? And so that's mm-hmm. what started it. And then he said, oh, well, you know, this is, I was working with this firm and this group. So then they went and looked at that firm and that group, and they looked in the, the community where he bought, which he had no business being in. And they realized that there was three other properties that were foreclosed on in the same exact community. So these were guys that were trying to, they were trying to get in at that bubble where they could make the money and to make uh-huh. the equity in the few months and flip it, right? Uh-huh. They were trying to get that sweet spot, but they just uh-huh. landed in the spot that the sweet spot was gone. The values were gone. And so that's how it started. That's how, that's how I got into it. And it was, my, it was my company that they brought into. But here's the funny thing. I didn't even work there. I worked at home. I was remote. I was a stay-at-home dad, and I did all my paperwork at home, and I just would send it in via email or drop it off. I didn't even work in office, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter because once they decide who they want to go after, it's pretty much a done deal. They're going after you with all of their money, and you got to fight them with all of yours. Yes, that's just crazy. I mean, to me, whether federal agents or, you know, <coughs> county detective or whoever was involved, that would be my one thing. So you're, if you want to tie, you know, sometimes some movies have some good statements. It's kind of like on Legally Blonde when she says, well, if, uh, you know, when they were kind of learning some of their law, she's like, well, I guess you have to say that all the sperm was uh, trying to evade this. And so that I guess he was being detrimental of all his chances of making why did they pick out this particular baby, you know? Um, and uh, another thing, too, is um, the, uh, uh, like you were saying, you're having trouble with getting your paperwork in. Um, one thing I think that can be a protection to you is, is doing like a power of attorney uh, with someone before anything actually happens um, because at least they can act on your behalf to, submit paperwork or do different things, you know, especially in this angle, you know, where, you know, uh, like look for me and my husband, we're both been working at learning the difference between legal and lawful and, and 
in this area, or not in this area, excuse me, I'm not talking um, geography, I mean in this learning, it's best to have something in hand so that if you need to have someone act on your behalf, if something was to happen to you, at least you have that as a backup. Um, and then uh, when you were talking about the warrant, because you were saying that you had a, they had handed you a warrant because they were at your home for six hours. That was a search Is that correct? No, that was a search warrant. The warrant I was talking about was the arrest warrant when they came to get me. They okay. didn't have one. Okay, let's go on to search. Uh, search that the search warrant, from what I understand, if people have knowledge in that area, um, before even a uh, yes, they may have the warrant, but from what I understand, it's supposed to have a bond with it. Because if they destroy your house while they're searching through it, who's covering that? You know, who, who's who's covering the damage that they're that they're making to some the other items that they they're not supposed to be taking? Um, and, the funny thing uh, is. The funny thing is, is because of the all the documentation that I did when they were doing that search, they wouldn't allow me to do anything about it. But by by the uh, fourth year, when I finally allowed them to give me an attorney, which wasn't a uh, a court appointed, it was a court appointed, but it was an outside one, who actually, when they appointed him to me, I looked him up, and he was actually a really good attorney. I mean, it, as good as an attorney can be, because I really can't stand him at all. But as good as one could be, he actually filed a motion to get the 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 um search nullified, or I forget the word I'm looking for, but nullified or kicked out, and we won. And when we won, they had to give me my $30,000 back. But the mm -hmm. day before I was supposed to get my thirty grand, because they legally took it, like I said they did, three and a half years or four years ago, they, the, the attorney came in and said, oh, well, Mr. Rodriguez hasn't paid any attorney's fees, so we want to confiscate that money for his attorney's fees. So they ended up taking it anyway. Oh, no. Well, so I won. They can't do that. They can't just take your money and, and decide how it's going to be spent. you got to get that money back. That's bullshit. I'd be so pissed off. Well, he didn't He didn't rebut at the time. You know, so, you know. Oh, no. When did this happen? When did this happen, Jesse? In 2013, I was in court. And 2013? That's when they gave it back, and then we had to have a hearing. And then before, before the, well, that's when they were supposed to give it back. But a day before they were supposed to turn it over to me, like there was an order for it to be turned over to me, and I was physically at possession of it. A day before that, they had an emergency hearing. They brought me in, and the prosecutor said that Mr. Rodriguez has had counsel for this many years, and even though at the time he didn't have money for it, now he does. He has $30,000. did they have a bill? Did they have a bill? Yeah. Because they have they a were, total they, amount? Yeah, they did, because they were charging me for the imbecile that I wasn't working with every time he would come to court and every time he would look through the documents. If he was looking through the documents, looking through the but evidence. But didn't you say that case, you did, didn't you dismiss him? I did. Like fire it took him? Me two and a half, it took me two and a half years to get him fired. That's a lot of money for two and a half years, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't go for that. That's bullshit. They're ripping you off. Yeah. You know, maybe ask at, write him and say, I, you know, for that time that you worked for me, I would like a, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the word now, a uh, de yeah, well, detailed bill. Yeah. Detailed, um, yeah. You know. Um, every hour, every minute, I want a detail. That, you know, how come you didn't get me off? 
charge me so much money. That is crazy. The total ended up being $52,000. That wasn't even the total, of which I only paid thirty four because they took it. And so I still owe, I think, 17 or 18. That's bullshit. That's that's why they don't want to go there without a lawyer. <clears throat> still best to ask for a detailed bill on that one. <laughs> um, and then I know the other thing, okay, so they come in, they got your stuff, and, um, you know, while you were there, whatever they took and stuff, um, did they have you, like normally when you appear in court, one of the first things they kind of ask you is, is do you understand why you're here, you know, are are you ready to proceed? That type of a thing. Um, right. And if and if you don't normally rebut that, they will proceed. Well, I told them I don't stand under anything. I I, I told them I don't I don't stand under anything. I, I, you said do I understand? I, to me that means do I stand under something? And I said no, I don't stand under anything. And they just ignore mm-hmm. you and they move on. I'm telling you these things. You're you're reminding me of things because it's so long ago. But I studied sure. with a lot of guys and I've watched. Mm-hmm hours and hours and hours of videos and I have a very good memory and I'm very good and quick-witted with my with my mind and with my tongue and I use all of this stuff a lot of it in the courtroom none of it mattered to the judge none of it now when they proceeded continued to proceed did you rebut then to be honest, I couldn't tell you. I mean, from the beginning, I was rebutting everything. I didn't even want to be there. I said I was there under against my will, and I have paperwork that I want to file to question everything that's going on in this, and I made a statement for the record so that I could have it for a – I mean, I did all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. None of it worked. None of it okay. worked for me. Just for just a lot of times, and I think I've heard from just a couple different ones or people that have been in court, um, you know, doing things, if you don't continue to rebut, the person who continues to speak, you do not stop them from speaking. You know, in saying, uh, "I, how can I proceed? Proceed to do what? I don't understand. And they continue to talk because, again, they can't proceed without you truly being under understanding. That is just a complete fact. Um, and even though it may seem like they're proceeding, if you don't continue to rebut until maybe they actually remove you or else you continue to talk, blah, blah, blah. But again, you're still continue to say, I still don't understand why I'm here. I, I, I don't understand why I'm here. Because now you're saying I have paperwork to file and I have this and I have that. Now you're showing knowledge. Now you're showing you do understand why you're there. You do understand why they're proceeding. So again, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I questioned every single thing that they did at multiple hearings. Questioned it, every single thing. Just like you said, did they say they use they use if they used a word that I knew meant a certain thing and meant something different in the real world and meant something different from Black's Law or here in the you know using the Webster's 1929 dictionary. If I knew what that word was, I questioned it. I questioned all that stuff. I'm telling you. You're not going to get anything past me. At that moment when I was in there doing what I was doing, I was as sharp as anybody could be. I was trained. Robert Fox trained me. Uh, I was trained by, you know, Rob Schaefer. I was learned under him. I had watched everything on Carl Miller. I used Carl Miller thing to get out of a traffic thing, all of his paperwork and how he talks about, you know, the right to travel. I mean, 
I all the stuff you're talking about right now for me is so far removed because I'm out of it. I haven't done it in a long time, but that's not the reason why it didn't work because I didn't say the right thing. That's not the reason. That's what I'm trying to to get across to people is that has nothing to do with my experience. What has to do with my experience was them, the judge, just controlled everything that went on. He didn't allow anything. He didn't allow me to to get anything in on the record. Like my my vocal, yeah, sure, that's on the record. But if if I don't have the time or want to spend my life fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting for for a possibility, you know what I mean? That's what it ends up being. It ends up being they have this is their job. It's the prosecutor's job. And they have all the money they need. They get to go home and be with their families and live their life. And then they come back to you whenever they need to. You know what? If they don't have time for your hearing this Monday, they're going to push it out for three months. And now you're waiting another three months to deal with this crap. So the the table is obviously not fair because they have all the resources, all the money, all the time, no stress. You have no money. You have no time. All your time is being eaten up. Your life is being eaten up because you're fighting all this crap. And you don't have the resources to deal with what they have to what they're going to throw at you, and all of it's on their side of the table. So regardless of what I said, and I can tell you, I didn't say everything right. I'm sure I didn't, but I know I said a lot of things the way that I was taught to a T, and none of it mattered. Is what my point is. None of it mattered because the judge decided at the end what he was going to allow and what he wasn't. And just a point, just for others who are listening for future stuff, I understand the frustration of the, and, um, but again, if you're going to go under the point of a, that I don't understand, then you stick with I don't understand, and you don't answer to anything else. You don't, pre, you don't have that look on your face like you just understood what they said. You want to be blank. You want to be, I don't understand why I'm here. So that's just one point. Definitely on that. doesn't matter what they say. You don't understand why you're there. Don't confess anything. Don't sign anything. Um, my, brother, my brother just went through some things, and we told him, do you, do, do you understand why you're there? No, I don't understand why I'm there. And you just continually keep telling him that. And believe it or not, he was not charged, and he was let go because he did not understand. And he stuck to the guns. You got some, in some cases, you have to stick to the guns. Because, again, without consent, without confession, they can't necessarily hold you. When you start to proceed and act as you know that what, something that's going on, then it's going to affect you. Because they're like, oh, they, they, just, they truly do understand what's going on. So that's just one point to, to keep in mind. Um, what, just a quick question. Was your brother under indictment? My brother had. Uh, when no, on this, some, this example, this example you just gave, was he under indictment when he did that? He was not. He he first had uh, police at his house uh, to to come in, but he told them he said, "Well, I will come out, but the only way I'm going to come out is if you." Because um, what happened was, was an anonymous call was made in on his, him them concerned he was going to take his life, which he was not. Um, so, of course, he had, you know, they came out to do their services. And um, so he told me the only way I would come out is if, uh, you know, a man signs a form stating that they're going to take responsibility for use of my property. And then from that point forward, he kept saying to the, the men that took him, 
that I don't understand what in the world, why you're doing this. You know, I, I don't understand why I'm being taken. He was taken to the hospital. They wanted to do a um, psychiatric evaluation and told the uh, doctor, I don't know why I'm here. And no, I'm, I'm not having you do that. So unless you want to sign a form saying you're taking full responsibility for it. So they held him overnight, hoping he would give up his guns. Um, and he said, because, you know, I'm going to hold you liable. And when, I guess, to take it, the doctor had checked that out, and they left him go. So, right. But the, the, the reason why I was asking, I was just thinking it was an apples-to-apples comparison. So right. In your compared. case, they already came in. In your case, right. they already came in, and they got evidence yeah, possibly exactly. against you, maybe not. It depends on what how like the other guy gentleman was saying how your stuff read. Um, eventually, it must have been something that was consent or processing that they came out with a warrant for your arrest and took you in. Um, you know, so they must have had something showing that, which is like I said, a complete shame in your whole scenario because, like I said, all across the country. There's men and women that did the exact same thing that you did, and they've not been prosecuted. Yeah, they weren't like coming out and taken in, harassed, extorted, you know, just because there was a federal agent and a, a county, um, they, uh, yeah, whatever that person was from the county involved, um, <laughs> which is absolutely crazy. Seriously. <clears throat> right. And I know what you're saying because they, like, people who, again, at the very end, we know with people who are, doing loans, plus we do other types of paperwork, that if they're having any trouble, like uh, in um, jail, uh, the guards, you know, if they're doing certain paperwork that, that we normally will go out and do with people, if they're doing certain paperwork, we'll tell them right up front, say, look, if you, if you particularly file, like, debt resolution, like, even with attorneys, if you're filing this paperwork, um, you know, it's going to affect your credit. And then your employer is going to, they're allowed to monitor because you're in this job. You took this position. You gave them consent to be able to monitor your credit. And if they start seeing things start going south in your credit, you just may end up losing your job, you know. So if you can, you'd be better to try and find some money or another job to start paying for stuff and try to keep your credit good because if it goes south, you're unfortunately going to lose your job. So, yeah, we heard a lot on that end of it, too. All right, well, not to take up any more time. I'm sure there's other people who have questions, but thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate your time, and just sorry that this craziness has happened to you and your family. Oh, don't worry. Thanks so much for your questions and your input. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is Central Florida. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Thank you, Angela and uh, Jesse and Jesse uh, uh, congratulations that uh, your wife and family are and you are still uh, intact that's uh, yeah. that's important um, yeah thank you um, that's that's the that's the best part out of this I suppose um, were you invited to the the grand jury were you uh, no nope, not at all okay was the grand jury before or after the first uh, search warrant? It was before. Okay. Um, well, I'm trying to get this, trying to get my 
my mind going on this. Um, what did you agree to? What in charges terms of did what? you agree to? At what point? At what point in time? At what point in time? Uh, uh, okay, what was the original charge against you? The original charge was conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, and then three counts of wire fraud, each one of the loans. And you agreed to what the the, the final uh, settlement? The final settlement was conspiracy, which was the five, which had which held the five year term. The other ones were wiped away. And then we the plea agreement dropped it down to 24 to 30 months, and then we ended up getting it dropped down even further to 18 to 24, and then the judge gave me 13. Okay, and, and the original charges of three counts of wire fraud, that was uh, you were simply doing your job working for the company, correct? Right. What happened was because the loans were in were under me, and the 1003s had my name on them, two of which wasn't signed by me, was actually signed by my processor without my agreement. They just signed it because they didn't want me to, to wait for me to come in, uh, which you, we, we proved that, that that was the case. didn't matter, though, because my name was on it and I paid on it. So um, those those three loans that were done in my, my 1003 was on, my name was on the 1003 was the reason why I was culpable. And how many other people were charged and went to jail for the same thing you were there for? Of the 26 people, I want to say six people went to jail. The rest all copped early pleas and walked with three years probation, a felony, three years probation, and a $100 fine. And no fine, no, no uh, restitution, no fines. Or no, excuse me, no, no, re- no actual regular fine. Like they got the, the court fine, which is 100 bucks. Which everybody gets, but no actual fine. Like I was fined seventy-five or ten thousand on top of that. So they just paid court costs, is what that. They paid not even that. They paid a hundred bucks. That was it. Yeah, whatever the court like the court fee was or whatnot. So the the six people, including you, are are the six that tried to fight the charges. Pretty much. <clears throat> Actually, out of the six, there was only three people went to court. One guy, or actually, the one, the only person that won in court was the banker. So the person that actually did the majority of the loans for First Franklin, I believe, uh, was the banker. She was the loan manager for the banker that came into our business and talked to all the LOs about how to do the business and how to do the loans and what you could put and what you couldn't put. She's the only person that got off. So you were basically a contractor for the bank. I was a contractor for a broker who was a contractor for the bank. And nobody so at the bank. I worked under a broker's license, so like a broker had his license, and I was a regular regular real estate. I had a had a real estate license, which allowed me to work under an actual um, person that had a, a higher license than me. I forget the name of it right now, but it was a higher license than mine. And then a broker's license. They had a broker's license. I had a real estate license, and then. They had a deal directly with Countrywide, directly with a bunch of these different banks where they would have X amount of dollars to loan out based on certain criteria for the loans, and then we would go out and sell those loans. Did any brokers uh, go to prison? The main guy went for 40 months. He's the one that got the most. Okay. And 
So basically, you did nothing wrong. You followed all the rules and regulations and, and played by the book, and you went to prison for playing by the rules. What You could say it that way. Well, the way I look at it is I went to prison because I looked the other way. When I knew somebody didn't make that money, and it wasn't outrageous. It was you know maybe a few thousand dollars a month more, but I knew they didn't make that money. My common sense told me, tell them that they can't put this paperwork through. But what the broker told me and what the bank told me was that this is a stated income loan. We're not going to look at it. All they have to have is good credit and they have to have good assets. And if they have those things, we're good. So I went to jail because I looked the other way. That's why I went to jail. I don't think it was right because that's other ones people are doing it, but that's the reason why I believe I did. Well, you were you did what you were told to do by your boss. Yeah, pretty much. Against my own com- better common sense. I guess that's a good way to put it. So it's amazing. Um, and in court, like you said, the judge didn't let you file any of your paperwork. That could did you uh, did you ask for the uh, prosecutor to uh, produce any exculpatory evidence? Yep, we did that. I forget whose paperwork we used. We asked for that. All of our stuff was documented. Like I have so I I don't know if I threw it all out or if I still have it, but I had so much stuff that I filed. All these things that you guys are talking about now, they're kind of bringing back memories because I remember them. But most of the stuff that I did, a lot of it, a lot of my case stuff was done with Robert Fox. Um, him and I did most of the paperwork where he would give me the template and I would break it down with my facts and stuff and I would send it back and he would say, give me the go ahead and I would go file it. <clears throat> Only problem is they were collecting it, marking it as received, but not filed. And so the court couldn't see anything. He didn't see it on the docket. You know, even though I had the copy of the stamp from the court saying it was received on this date, they weren't saying it was filed. It wasn't, it was not, it was like it wasn't even there. Now, some of that paperwork, did you try to file it or get it filed or placed on the docket through the attorney that you fired? Oh, no, yeah, no, no. The, the attorney, basically, they're there to stop you from filing anything. They're there to basically, as you know, they're there to do what the court wants them to do. They're an officer of the court, which is another big argument I had with the, the judge. As I told him, I said, I don't know, this guy you got over here, you appointed for me, how does he have my best interest in heart? I said, he, he gets paid by the same people you get paid by. So who's, who's, who's working for me? Who's working for my best interest? You know, you can put him in trouble. You can hold him in contempt. You can fine him. You can do all that stuff. I can't do nothing to him. He's not afraid of me. So whose best interest does he have in heart, mine or the court's? You know, oh, so I had oh, the only one, that same argument. The only one not getting paid in court is the accused, usually. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's kabuki theater, you know. It really is. Um, I guess I can just close. They wouldn't let you. They 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 wouldn't let you put up a defense whatsoever. Not at all. And and that's what I told them. I said I have documentation to defend myself against these accusations, but I have to be allowed to put them in to the into the uh, court. And then when I finally, I mean, I literally had the judge give me an opportunity. He gave me a window. He said, I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm going to paraphrase kind of what it was that he was saying and the situation because it's been a long time. But it was something to the extent of, 
I will let you represent yourself for this one hearing. Uh, and if and but I said the reason why was because oh this is what it was the caveat he wanted me to go and have an evaluation to make sure that I was in my right mind. He said I have to do this evaluation to make sure you're in your right mind, and then in order to give you this opportunity. And I said, but if you decide that I'm not in my right, I said, who's going to decide if I'm in my right mind? You are? So if I do this right now and I say yes, and you decide I'm not in my right mind, I'm in a worse spot than I'm in now. Because now you can make me a ward of the court and place somebody uh, to, to talk for me without me even having to be a part of the situation. Just said, are you practicing medicine now, Judge? Yeah, we did that. Well, we I, actually, it's funny because they tried to have my wife go see somebody, and Robert helped me with that. My wife went in and said, sorry, um, I can't in good faith answer any questions because whatever you say, you're going to tell the court. Whatever the court sees can be seen by the prosecutor, and the prosecutor can use it against me. So I can't say anything that's going to incriminate myself. I mean, we did it to a T. Walked back into the court, and the judge, it was funny because my wife got a new attorney. She fired her other attorney because the attorney said, look, I'll get you off, but you've got to throw your, hus- your husband under the bus. That was her first attorney's <laughs> advice. My wife said, you're fired. So that person was gone. They give my wife a new attorney. The first thing my attorney, this new attorney does, hasn't talked to my mom, to my wife at all, right? The first thing she does when we get into court, she has a sidebar and comes, goes talk to the judge. They come back to the court and they open up with, Ms. Rodriguez, I'm ordering you to do a psychiatric evaluation to make sure that you're this, 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 and this. So you know what we did? I talked to Robert again. We got on the phone, and we filed a, a complaint against her at the bar. And there was four of us that were in the courtroom. All four of us filed it. And then we went to that thing. He told us exactly how to handle that, how to handle the, um, the, um, the, the conversation with the doctor. So my wife went in there and said, I can't in good faith answer any of these questions because they can be used against me. And so when we got back to the next court, the judge said, Ms. Rodriguez, I think you you disobeyed my order. And she said, no, sir, I didn't. I went, but I couldn't in good faith give him any answers because whatever he's going to use is going to be reported back to court. And because he's a doctor, my wife's a nurse. So because he's a doctor, he has a HIPAA responsibility. And that means he can't give any of my information out, but he said he was going to. So I don't know where that information is going to go. And if the other side sees it and sees my, my psychiatric state, they could use that against me. And so he said, okay, I understand. You were afraid because she's like, yeah, that's why I didn't do it. And by the way, the other attorney had to step down that same thing, the second hearing. She said, I can no longer represent this lady because I've been put on notice by the Bar Association that there's four investigations going on against me because uh, they filed reports against me for whatever reason. She was pissed. And so oh, she had to yeah, bargains. They bargains. So we, did four of them. we did them back to back. All of us did them at the same time. So she had to leave. So we've dealt with that as well with the whole, you know, uh, psychiatric thing. My wife dealt with that as well. So we've gone through the gamut of these things. So you you do have an option to appeal that you're choosing not to. Yes, because well, appeal. Wait, I'm gonna say say that again. Appeal what? Appeal your well. I, I I suppose I don't know if you can appeal your agreement. Um, since you agree, oh, I suppose the, you can't appeal. No, no, no. I, I, my stuff's done. My stuff's done. I'm sitting here. I, I'm actually, I'm actually a month into to a six month home confinement on a bankruptcy charge. During that, I filed a bankruptcy. 
a skeleton bankruptcy to keep my home, which I was again advised to by some foreclosure expert. And the prosecution said, you know what? We're coming in. We're coming after you for bankruptcy fraud. All I wrote on the bankruptcy thing was my name and my address and the basic questions. There was no, no schedules filed or nothing. But again, it doesn't matter. Five years that I could possibly get, I could go through the whole trial, do all that crap again. So I took a plea, you know, and now I'm sitting here for six months at my house on confinement. I'm one month in. That's the last part I have to go through. And then I have another six months of just regular probation, and then I'm done. And it would have been, when that's all done, said and done, I'll be done by 2000, 2018. It was started in 2000, about seven years. Seven years of my life for all of this stuff. So they to broke finally it. Be done. What was that? Go ahead, put it April. that way, but that's the way it is, right? That's, they that's, broke That's it. the way it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, and, they, they, and they sit back and go, oh, we taught them a lesson. They'll never do that again. See, I hate this. I hate it. I really right. do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. You did everything you needed to do. And God bless oh, yeah. you for it, and thank you for coming forward. It's just the system is so screwed up. It's just so yeah, bad. You know, it, it's all about, you know, getting you to submit to their commands. The tyranny of it. It's terrible. You know, it's like bend well, over. <laughs> well, that's why I asked. Um, um, if uh, if you, um, although you don't don't choose to, if you did choose to, is there anything that you could appeal if you if you chose to do it? Um, I think there are some, there are some things that I could before. But once I took the plea, and I was waiting to go in. I was still looking at more resources and more ways to fight. I was still had that that fight in me that I was like, man, I, I just don't feel good about this. Yeah, I didn't you do know, anything. They break you financially, spiritually, yeah, not you physically, not you mentally, emotionally, every possible way they can break you. They do that. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. So the answer all to your is, right. The answer to your question is there are there are some things that I could fight. I just choose not to. At this point, unfortunate well, I, that uh, I can't say I don't blame you. Cause I, I, I don't blame, I don't blame you blame because either. I I I fully uh, I fully comprehend. I mean, this is a that's a long that's a long time. You know what though? It's going to get go to through. the point where too many people go through it, and they're going to recognize each other and organize, and then we'll have some differences and some changes in government. And, you know, that's, so that's that part of the problem. So the idea of that, like, that's what I think it has to happen for there to be real change. Yeah, obviously. It's the in, only in, thing that's going to change the, anything. Here's, the, here's the, the sad part of it. The 26 people that were indicted, had those 26 people, not a single one of them cooperated, they didn't have anything to build their case on. All of the stuff that they got of what they used, was corroborated or pretty much lied to about because people just once they decided to cop a plea, it's just about covering your own ass. You know, they tried to get me to to talk about two people that were still in the case that I never even worked with. I wasn't even at the office, but they put them in my plea saying you worked with this person, you worked with that person, and if we call you to say oh, to the yeah, stand, you have to say that. I said no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but the those people. 
those 26 people couldn't even hold it together. 26 people. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands and millions of people. We're talking about 26 people. And it so just if, took one if those 26 stood their guns, uh, everyone well, would Jesse, maybe walk. Well, the only one out of Right. Well, I was, well, there was a bunch of us. There was like six of us that went in, and all of it, like everyone got convicted except for maybe they brought in, I think, five or six wives that were just on loans that they ended up letting go. Like they let my wife go as part of my deal. That's what I said. Um, but they just brought them in as leverage. That was pretty much it. Out of the 26, I think there was, I want to say there was maybe six or seven wives. Every single one of them are divorced now, except for my wife and I, unfortunately, for them. You know, and that's the sad part of it. Like that, you didn't. Not only did you ruin this person's life, maybe they just got a felony and they didn't even do time. They break you, right? Possibly. I didn't have relationships. So that that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying, though, Andrew. That's why I want people to understand. There's a lot that goes to this, and if you're going to fight it, hey, more power to you. But just understand what goes with it. All this stuff is a possibility. Make sure you don't go fighting it without uh, right. stepping back and, and really looking at it all. What, what, right. What, it's not, you know, that's why uh, Carl used to say, you know, don't just get a driver's license. Don't, you know, <laughs> say, you know, save your fighting for something else. Don't waste it, on, you know, on that. But I think the driving issue is, a good, like, if you're younger, it's a good that's training. Fun method, I think. It's a good way to learn how the ins and outs of the courts on a, on a small scale as far as traffic is concerned. But, I mean, if if at all possible, don't go into court, you know, if that. But if they drag that's you into tough. court, you have to right. handle yourself. Yeah, the you know. stop for me. The traffic oh, stop you got to be me. careful. I actually, after learning Carl Miller's stuff and, and knowing how the whole, the whole court works with traffic, I have so much fun at the traffic stop, and most of the times I don't even get tickets because I'd let them know. I go, hey, man, brush up on your on your uh, constitutional law because when we get to court, we're going to really go in and have a great day, man. I hope to see you soon. I let them know, and I'm nice about it. Like, I'm not afraid of you. Here, I said, just give me my ticket. I'm not, I'm not giving you any evidence or answering any questions. Just whatever you think I did my ticket, give me my ticket. And then once you get them inside, I've never lost in traffic court. I always win. I hardly go in, but I probably win maybe three times. My wife went in once recently for a speeding ticket she won. We always win. Those are easy things. That's that's like meaningless. But you should know how to handle yourself in those situations for sure. Like you said, it's, it's something that doesn't have a lot of stakes to it, right? Federal indictment, stuff like that. That has stakes. That has real stakes with teeth to it. You know, going into traffic school or dealing with you know some credit collector or debt collector. That that doesn't have teeth to it. That's nothing. Well, Jesse. Hey, well. Uh, I hope you have your time is uh, your remaining time is peaceful, and I wish the best to you and your bride. Uh, congratulations! Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for the conversation. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. All right. Next up is okay, Jerry. Seventy-one. You're back on. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. I would uh, I'd suggest not that it not that it might might not do him any good, but I would suggest that he'd uh, go back to two of your programs that you just had recently, uh, number 433, episode 433 and 437. Both were uh, Paul John Hansen, and it might be of interest to get uh, yes. guess that 
yeah, Jesse, that uh, might be of interest to him to go ahead and uh, listen to those two programs. They were really great. That's it for me. Thank you. Are you familiar with him, uh, Jesse? I believe so. I'm honestly, I'm not interested in, in listening. I used to listen to those things for, oh. for bullets, you know, to go out and fight. But since I'm not really trying to go out and fight, I just would rather use my time reading or doing something else, hanging there out with go. my kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sounds good to me. I just, uh, I guess you burnt out, you know, with all that you went through. I don't blame you. Maybe it'll come back to you later. You'll want to get back into it. You never know. Well, maybe when I get older and more feisty again, it'll be something <laughs> that I do. And my kids are out of the house, and I did my job there as a parent. There you go. And I don't have anything to you know, worry about. Then yeah, maybe it will. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure in the times we live, there's going to come, but this stuff is coming to a head at some point. And when it does, I would hope all so. the education, yeah, all the education and stuff that I have and the fight that I have, there's gonna, it's going to be needed there. And so I'm prepared right. for that. For the time being, yeah, but for the time being, for me, it's like I'm trying to live my life uh, as peacefully as I can. You know, the gentleman put it put it right just to call before. I'm trying to live my life peacefully to work my business, create an income, create a lifestyle for my family, do the best I can by them, raise them up to know what's right and wrong, to understand these things and know how to sidestep these landmines so they can go on and prosper as well. That's really what my You are awake and aware, though, so that's a good thing. Right. You just right, hold it right. in the background until it's needed. Exactly. And that's kind of where I'm going with it, so. Very good. All right. Uh, let's see who is up here. Is Oh, Aquila. Go ahead, Aquila. You've been unmuted. Hi, Angela. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm going to say hello to your guests. I don't have a question. I just wanted you, if you could unmute me from the chat. Oh, are you chat. muted? Oh, well, yeah. block. Where? Uh, DT. DT. Uh, DT. Aquila. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're unmuted. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else? Press star eight if you want to ask a question or make a comment. Otherwise, uh, we can wrap it up. Jesse, what do you have to say? Well, just don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean not not even that because you could do what I did and you might win. You know, it's just it's just that I would say just be educated about what it is you're going to do before you get into it. Just understanding all of what it entails, not just educated on the law and the procedure and all that stuff, but what is it really going to entail? And I would say only take advice from people who have gone through what it is you're going through. Because every person that I went through that I really trusted had gone through that kind of persecution. You know, Robert Fox had gone through that stuff. Rob Schaefer had gone through that stuff. You know, um, um, I forget the name of the guy that helped me with the, the uh, Paul, uh, what what'd you call him? Paul, Paul Mitchell. Paul, John Paul Mitchell had gone through that oh, stuff. Oh, Paul Andrew Mitchell. Or, yeah. So if you're, if, you, if you're not talking to somebody who's been through what you've been through or what you're going through or you could be going through, I just wouldn't take advice from them. And I would be slow to open my pocketbook to pay somebody for it because I can tell you we've lo- I've lost probably at least over $100,000 total on this stuff. Uh, and if you count all my fines and everything, well over $200,000. And what could I have done with that money in my life? 
you know, what could I have done for my family or whatnot. So that's all. It's just really just wanting to share that. And, and Angela, if you ever hear of anybody who's, who's heading to task or wants to know how that works, you know, feel free to forward my information because um, learning how to deal with that situation is a whole other thing. Now that you're, you know, out of the ball game and they got you or whatever and your head is there, like if it's, it's something that's going to happen, you know, it's something that people should know about as well. So just wanted to come on and offer that to you and your guests. Okay, thanks for letting me come on one and share more. my story. We have one more hand up, so if you want to take one more, go ahead, Southern sure. California. You've been unmuted. Been unmuted. Did you unmute your phone? Southern California. There you are. Hey. Hello? It's your favorite. Hey. It's Donaldson. Not anymore, is it? Okay. Did you want to talk to Donaldson? Sure. Do you have a question or a comment? Really? I'll leave it up to you. I've been listening for the last half hour. I don't know. Go who ahead. Is, You've been but... unmuted. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Hi. How are you? I, uh, hi, everybody. It's Donaldson. I've actually been okay, uh, yeah. listening for like the last half an hour. And I have to say, I'm completely lost. I don't feel... Okay. I don't see a question coming, So, and we don't need commentary. So that's that's it. I'm so if you want to wrap it up, we can. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's go nice. ahead, Jesse. No, I was going to say thanks, Angela, again for having me on. And just, you know, like I said, wanted to just come really on share my you. story. What happened. I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You know, we learn from it. Uh, we learn from everybody's experiences. And so thank you for sharing and coming on. And uh, oh, here, let me remind everyone, if you want to speak freely, uh, Money Mike is having a call after uh, we are done here. So uh, you can go to his call, Money Mike. Um, and that's about it. Jesse, come on and update us uh, in a couple of months or whenever. Let us know what's going on. Keep us going updated on what's happening with you, okay? Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for the time. God bless you. I'm glad, I'm glad you, your family is intact through all of that. They, I mean, they break up families left and right. <laughs> so yeah, you, yes, you, they do. Good that you were all strong enough to put to go through with it. You know, I, I'm glad you made it. Oh, I appreciate that. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Um, I don't know who's on next weekend. I, I got to look. Next Thursday, who do we have on? Uh, oh, Bob Locke will be on next Thursday. And then hopefully Paul Andrew Mitchell. And uh, we'll go from there. All right, everybody. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.